Blog Talk Radio. Your preparation station with Donna Miller is on the air. Tune in for insight and encouragement for living a more sustainable, back-to-basics lifestyle. No matter where you've come from or what the future may hold, we hope each episode will encourage you with topics, guests and stories that inspire your journey towards self-sufficiency. And now, the hostess of your preparation station, Donna Miller. Welcome to another new episode of Your Preparation Station. I'm so glad to have you with me again today. If you're listening through iTunes or Blog Talk Radio or SoundCloud or any of the numerous areas that we broadcast this show, I'm just delighted that you found us. Please feel free to drop me a line at yourpreparationstation at gmail.com if you've got any ideas about potential guests, topics, or if you'd like to be a guest yourself, or if you've got something to ask our guests, feel free to send me an email. Love to hear from you. Love to hear how you found out about us. And stay tuned for a lot of new guests. I've got a calendar full, but I'm happy because we're back on the air. We're just having a good time. I'm really excited today because I have a very interesting guest and then bet you have not even thought about the topic he's absolutely proficient in. So I'm really excited that he's here today. But before we you know, jump too far into it, I'm going to do my usual rigmarole, which is to remind you that when someone's talking to you about self-sufficiency and preparedness, make sure you have connected with someone who is a facilitator and not a dictator, someone who's encouraging you and not scaring you into action, someone who is kind of your cheerleader telling you, if I can do it, you can do it. Not that you're doing it all wrong, because they don't live in your house, they don't live in your climate, they don't have your family, your budget, your plans, your schedule. You need someone who will encourage you, and that's one reason I'm excited to have uh, my guest here today, because he walks the talk and he's training people, and that's another thing I think is fantastic, someone who's willing to share and inspire others. So there will be some links, so you'll hear me talk about them, I'll say them out loud as well, but peruse those and click them and that way you can connect with us and you can connect with my guests so before uh i just talk myself into you know a monologue let me introduce to you joel karsten joel karsten is a farm boy who grew up tending soil in the garden just like every other gardener has done for centuries he shook up the gardening world with his first award-winning book describing his breakthrough straw bale gardening concept the New York Times called straw bale gardening a revolutionary gardening method. And his ideas have been enthusiastically embraced globally, making his book a bestseller in many different languages. Karsten earned a B.S. in horticulture from the University of Minnesota. He spent his summers tending his vegetable garden and doing research and experimenting with new ideas and other methods as he passes them along to his followers. You may or, you know, if you're a listener of the show, you may already kind of have these things pop up in front of you if you're on Facebook or something. Um, he's got a great Facebook page. It's facebook.com, learn to grow a straw bale garden. And bale is spelled B-A-L-E. And his website is www.strawbalegardensplural.com. So B-A-L-E is how you spell bale. And Gardens is plural for his website. So I'm really excited because we've got some great questions and, and a lot of stuff that we can learn from Joel. So let me make sure I've got a good connection. Are we connected all right, Joel? 
Yes, we're great. I, I heard everything you said, and, and thank you so much for having me, Don. I really appreciate it. Oh, we're, I'm so excited because this is a method that, well, for me, it was new, and I thought I'd seen everything because I've been gardening for a long time, and, you know, for a while the square foot was a big thing, and for, you know, all these other things that came along were, that were, quote-unquote, the new thing. Um, this one seems to be very intriguing as well as make a lot of sense for, well, okay, I'll just say it. As I get older, I don't want to be on the ground as much. Um, <laughs> and yes, I know we call those we call those seasoned gardeners. In, yes, that's in, uh, <laughs> when I give talks, I talk about the seasoned gardener. You don't want to call yourself older, but seasoned. <laughs> I like that better. I am very well seasoned. Um, yeah, awesome. So I, I have. I have some questions, and I sh- I'm sure for you they seem pretty basic, but you do some some great webinars and trainings. Folks, if you will connect with his website, you'll see when the next one is, uh, rather than give you out dates, because who knows when you're listening to this. Uh, he's got a lot that always come up, and they're different topics and different things that will train you. So if you want to learn more, you'll connect there and attend one of the live webinars that Joel does. So Excuse me for some of these really basic questions, Joel, but I think maybe the listeners might be a little bit like me and kind of um, uh, new to this, so I'm going to ask them from (laughs) kind of that perspective, if you'll bear with me. Sure. Okay, awesome. So what exactly is straw bale gardening? Well, I'll tell you that's not a silly question at all, because very often people will look at a straw bale garden, they'll look at people watering some straw bales out in their front yard, and their first instinct is, of course, that how is this going to work? You know, you can't grow vegetables in straw, and it's a little bit misleading because the truth of the matter is, is we're not really growing vegetables in straw, okay? Uh, What's really happening is we're starting out with a straw bale, but for the first two weeks of this process, we're going to condition the bales. Now, when I say condition the bales, what I really mean is we're going to feed the bacteria inside these bales, the naturally occurring bacteria that's already there. And we're going to feed them a source of nitrogen. Um, That could be lawn fertilizer. It could be blood meal if you're organic, depending on what type of gardener you are. You're going to feed these bacteria a source of nitrogen. Now, bacteria are microscopic, so we can't see them. But trust me, if you give them what they like to eat, which is nitrogen, and you give them some water and a little bit of warm temperatures, they're going to replicate inside that bale. And as they replicate, they begin to colonize the entire bale. This is really early stage decomposition that begins to happen. So after two weeks, the bales have colonized with bacteria. The bacteria now begin to consume the straw, and they actually turn the straw into brand new soil inside the bale. So by the time we plant, two weeks into this process, we're actually planting into a, what on the outside looks like a straw bale, but on the inside has really become early stage soil or compost. And that's where the nutrients come from that feeds your vegetables and your flowers or whatever else you plant in that bale. Awesome. That is great. That makes actually perfect sense. Uh, Although it might look like from the outside, you're just sticking them in these random straw bales because that's all someone sees. They don't know what all is really going on in there to actually grow the plant. Right. Yeah. You know, all plants require nutrients. 
And the three fundamental building blocks of all plant life on Earth are, of course, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. And then, it, and then plants take what we call trace elements or micronutrients, just small amounts of things like molybdenum and calcium and zinc and iron in just tiny amounts. And, and whatever Mother Nature sucks up these nutrients from the soil and she organizes these cells to create a plant. Well, she did that last summer. She grew the oats or the wheat or the barley that this summer we've made into a bale. And now all we're going to do is use Mother Nature's toolkit to decompose or deconstruct those same cells and release the molecules from those cells so that a new plant form can reabsorb those molecules through the roots. So it's a lot of biology happening inside of the bales, but it's really a pretty easy concept once someone explains it to you. Um, you know, I run into gardeners, master gardeners, and, and you know people who are real industry professionals, and the first instinct, the gut reaction is, well, that's not going to work because, you know, plants need nutrients, and the only place you're going to get nutrients is in the soil. But then once you explain to them how this straw is becoming soil through this natural transformation process, oh, then the light bulb goes on, and then they understand completely. And, they, and then as I talk about the advantages of straw bale gardening, then they start to discover those and see, wow, this must really work. So Yeah, and we're going to get into actually some of the benefits in the latter half of the show. So how did you actually come up with this idea of straw bale gardening? Well, I'll tell you, I grew up on a dairy farm, crop and dairy farm, down in the southwest corner of Minnesota. And as a kid on a dairy farm, 35 years ago, I spent a lot of time on a baling rack in the summer, baling hay, baling straw for my dad. Once in a while, we'd have a broken bale with a string that would break, so dad would toss it up against the barn, and we'd kind of leave it lay there. And as soon as it got rained on, you know, it was pretty much worthless for us. You couldn't feed it. You couldn't uh, feed it to your livestock. You couldn't use it as bedding material if it was straw. So we'd leave it lay against the barn, and eventually it would start on its own to decompose. It would take a long time, six months, eight months. It would really start to decompose. And the biggest, tallest thistles on the whole farm were the ones that would grow out of those decomposing bales. <laughs> and I would notice that. <clears throat> Even as a little kid, I would notice how you know the thistles were the tallest in these decomposing bales. Now we fast forward 15 years, and I graduate from college with a degree in horticulture, and I buy a house. And I always tell people, when you have a degree in horticulture and you buy a house, when that moving van pulls up to the door, the first instinct you have is to grab your shovel and run to the backyard and dig some holes because you're really curious about what kind of soil you bought. That's what's really important as a horticulturist. I determined I had about an inch of soil that covered most of my construction fill underneath the ground, um, and that wasn't going to work for a garden. I had another problem, too. I was broke because I just bought a house and I just graduated college. So... I didn't have money to build raised beds, which is what a normal gardener would probably have done. But I remembered how these bales used to lay against the barn and big thistles would grow out of them. And it takes the same nutrient profile in general to grow thistles as it does to grow tomatoes and peppers. So why not try growing vegetables and straw bales? So I did a bunch of experiments over the years. Um, but I always joke that I've been doing this for 22 years, and for the first 15, nobody really cared. And then the last seven years or so, I wrote this this little self-published book a few years ago, about seven years ago, and I put it on a little startup website called Facebook, and that exploded. And the people all over the world started buying this little self-published booklet that I made and growing straw bale gardens in their part of the world using whatever local materials they could find. And then they would come and put pictures on our Facebook page of their gardens, these beautiful gardens they had grown. And, of course, when you grow a garden in straw bales, you're going to get a lot of attention. So your neighbors and your friends and your family <laughs> see it, and they have lots of questions. 
And so it just spread from there. Of course, after you sell a whole bunch of self-published booklets, then the publishers come and they <laughs> say, we think you should write a real book on this subject. <laughs> and I said, well, I thought I already wrote a real book. Here it is. And they said, no, that's not a real book. A real book is when we take professional pictures and then we keep most of the money. Then it's a real <laughs> book. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I wrote Strawberry Gardens back in 2013. And, and ever since, it's it's really spread this technique, this method, um, all over planet Earth. I mean, I have people doing this in every country you can think of. They're they're doing strawbell gardening. So it's really become a, a phenomenon within the gardening industry. And part of it, part of the reason that it has spread so much is because it really works. And there's lots of advantages to it. So. Oh, that is so awesome. I that I love the story behind the story. I think that's great. That that's a that kind of adds the validity to hey. You didn't start out doing this when you were a little kid. It, it, it was an idea that came to you, so someone else can try it with, with gusto, especially with you know your instructions. Well, unfortunately, we have to take a real quick break, and we have more questions for Joel. Um, some really good ones that I think you need to stay tuned for because, obviously, he's just barely scratched the surface of how he got started with this. So we're going to get a little bit more in-depth into straw bale gardening. Um, hopefully, they can answer some of your questions as you listen as well. So, Joel, we're going to take a break and come right back. Do you have your free digital subscription to Prepare Magazine yet? If not, then hurry over to preparemag.com and start getting each monthly issue sent directly to your inbox. It's easy. All you have to do is go to preparemag.com, enter your name and email address, and your subscribe. Consider signing up for the premium membership for past issues and exclusive resources. You can even subscribe to the beautiful print version of Prepare Magazine. Visit preparemag.com and choose the option that's most valuable to you. Prepare Magazine, encouraging, empowering, and enriching your journey. Are you looking to have ducks, geese, chickens? Boy, do we have something to share with you. Stop by ranch-coop.com. These folks build some of the most beautiful handcrafted coops for small areas as well as the farm. They are so easy to put together. It took us less than an hour and they're shipped right to your door. Stop by ranch-coop.com. Wonderful people to deal with. Beautiful coops that you can use for backyard and homestead fowl. Ranch-coop.com. At millersgrainhouse.com, you'll find both electric and off-grid appliances and encouragement to build your preparation kitchen. Miller's Grainhouse is dedicated to helping you save money while you prep. Connect with Miller's Grainhouse on Facebook and check out our videos. Remember, millersgrainhouse.com to save on all your preparedness kitchen needs. Your preparation station is on the air. Thank you for staying tuned. I know you've just barely gotten your tip of your toe into this <laughs> topic here for strawberry gardening, but I do want to make sure this this is a little bit of time sensitive information. Joel is going to be a guest on um, the summit, the Grow Your Own Food Summit this summer. Well, spring. Sorry, Grow Your Own Food Summit. Uh, there's a link below the show page you can connect to, and Joel is one of many speakers. Of course, he's talking on the topic he's the most um, experienced in, and that is, of course, straw bale gardening. He's going to go in a little bit more depth than we can in a half-hour show. There are a lot of other friends of mine that are actually speaking at this summit as well, so I hope you will connect and watch it. The, the summit runs for free, so just register at the link that's below the show page there, and you can even get more information from Joel and the other great guests that way. 
that's time sensitive. So if you've listened to this after that, uh, the link will actually still be live. I think they'll have recordings that you can purchase too. So you can go through that way. But obviously, if you get there sooner, you get to listen for free. So um, I wanted to make sure I got to this, Joel, because you alluded to it when you talked about you had just bought a home, you just graduated college, you were broke, <laughs> which a, a lot of us face, you know, the struggles of um, of finances. And I know some people, when I would garden, just in general, say, well, it's cheaper to just buy those gar- those at the store. Well, not for the quality. We can go all there, yes. But in comparison to traditional soil gardening, is straw bale gardening more or less or equal cost? Well, it's far less expensive, especially really? when we consider the number one expense in a vegetable garden. And people don't think about this. We don't, we, you know, it's not your seeds. It's not the cost of the plants. It's not the fertilizer. It's not the water. It's the labor. It's the time yeah. that you put into it. And there's always opportunity cost for that time. You could spend your time doing something else instead of, laboring in your garden, pulling weeds and, you know, all the things that go with traditional gardening. And you're going to see there are so many benefits with the straw bale gardening that eliminate labor and make your garden more productive that you eliminate at least 75% of the labor that you typically spend in your traditional soil garden. Um, I say 75%. Other people will say much higher percentage than that is eliminated. So, um, you know, It's arguable, but it's not arguable that you save lots of time by doing this. So even if you have to go out and buy some straw bales, you're going to see that the payback is many times over. Um, We have people that do this on a commercial basis, and they make it viable to do thousands of bales for their farmer's market production. You know, they're bringing product to farmer's markets. And what they save in labor cost way more than pays for multiple times over what the cost of the bales are. So, it, it, you know, it's definitely some savings there. I would tend to agree with you. Your time is money. If you're spending it on menial, tedious tasks, you're not using it to save money elsewhere or make other money elsewhere. So that's a very valid point as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, if, if you're not wasting the labor time, then you're actually recouping a lot more of your money from your garden. Exactly. Awesome. Well, okay, here's the question, because you're in Minnesota. We we actually talked about this a little bit, the climate difference where I am and where you are. I'm in North Carolina. Uh, what do people do with extreme weather fluctuations? Or if they're in arid climates, is straw bale difficult to deal with that? Well, you know, straw's main job in agriculture is as bedding material for livestock, and it works really well at capturing and holding moisture. And it has to do with physics, really. These long, narrow, hollow, skinny tubes, which make up the stalks of oats, wheat, barley, any of the small grains or the cereal grains, are inside that bale. So these long, narrow, hollow, skinny tubes get filled up with water droplets. These are some principles of physics called cohesion and adhesion that cause water to suck inside these little tubes and be held there so that you can pick that straw up and transport it, and the, and the tubes are all filled with water. This is great for farmers because it keeps your livestock dry. It's really great for people who garden in arid climates because when that bale gets saturated, it holds moisture in the core of that bale. Now, the outside edges of the bale, they'll dry out because the sun shines and the wind blows, but the inside, the core of that bale, does a great job of capturing and holding moisture on a regular basis. Now, the really great part is 
if you live in a climate like Minnesota, where I live, where you could get four or five inches of rain overnight on a spring night, oftentimes your traditional garden may flood. A strawberry garden can never flood because it won't hold more than enough water to saturate it. Once it's saturated, all other water just simply runs through and out the bottom of the bale. So during the heat of summer, you know, when those plants are really taking lots of moisture out of the bales, we can water strategically a couple of times a day using a little digital hose end timer for, with a battery in it. works really well. And that feeds a little bit of water a few times a day. That keeps a consistent level of moisture in that bale. So it can never get too wet and it never dries out. And you keep that perfect amount of moisture, you're going to see your plants love that. Vegetable plants love consistency of moisture. And you get bigger, healthier, larger production. Um, you get a lot bigger fruits on your, on your plants when you give them consistent moisture. Um, so no matter what climate you're in, there's lots of benefits to using this strawberry garden. And the colder we get, um, up in the Arctic Circle, believe it or not, they love strawberry gardening. They're more nuts about it in Alaska, in parts of Alaska, than I am down here in Minnesota. And part of the reason is because early in the process, when we are conditioning these bales, which I talked about earlier, where we're growing that bacteria inside the bales, you'll see that the bacteria, when they grow, they get a single-celled organism, they, get, they expand, they grow, and then right in the middle they pinch in half, and they kind of shake a little bit, and then they divide apart. Then each of those halves starts to grow, and then they pinch in half and shake a little bit and divide apart. When they're dividing in half and they're shaking, that causes friction, and that friction, believe it or not, causes heat. Lots of heat will be generated inside this bale as those bacteria begin to colonize the bale. This is also what causes your compost bin to heat up, um, is this shaking of bacteria, this vibration. So when we put our plants into these bales, our soil temperature right next to the bales could be 50 degrees, where the temperature inside the bale could be 100 degrees. Now, a tomato planted in 100-degree soil thinks it's the end of June or the middle of June, so it starts growing like crazy right away. A tomato planted in the soil right next to the bale is going to sit there and shiver for a few weeks until the soil warms up. So we get the advantage of planting much earlier in our bales and getting the protection um, of the, the foliage above the bale is protected by the heat that's being generated by this bacteria down in the bale. So that's one of the really big advantages, and it helps protect those plants in a colder climate um, versus your arid or your, your hot, dry climate. That's very cool. That's awesome. Uh, now, I, I actually get more questions as you talk. I'm like, oh, gosh, I want to ask that, but we only have a certain amount of time. So I want to make sure we stay on topic of some of the other things. Is there a set of people that this is actually more beneficial for, or who benefits the most out of straw bale gardening? Well, everybody will benefit, but I'll tell you the two that seem most interested, and those are, first of all, brand-new gardeners who've never had a garden. Because the impression that people have in their head is, and it is partially true. If you're going to start a soil garden, that is a huge commitment. A very often underestimated how much time and effort it's going to take to grow a garden in the soil. So when they see this as an alternative and they hear people talk about, hey, you don't have to pull any weeds using this method of gardening and you know, all the other great things that come with it, of course, that, that new gardener turns to this as, an, as a great alternative to begin a garden. And then there's the other extreme, which are the seasoned gardeners, those who've been around for a few years and may get to the point in their gardening career where, 
you know what? Getting down on the ground is not so easy anymore. And and mm-hmm. being able to bend over just to 20 inches so you can plant and harvest at that raised height makes things much more comfortable in terms of, you know, physical limitations in a garden. And remember, soil is really heavy. Soil weighs between 40 and 60 pounds per cubic foot. You take a straw bale, an entire straw bale, which is 14 cubic feet, will weigh about 40 to 60 pounds. So it's one fourteenth as heavy as soil is. So if you have to move soil around, you know, to do tilling and hoeing and shoveling, etc., that's a lot of physical work. Straw is much lighter, much easier to transport, and just tends to, to be much, you know, people tend to be able to do this much later in their life uh, than they would expect. I, I just spoke, this is very funny, I spoke at the Wisconsin Garden Expo on Valentine's Day this year, and sitting in the very front row, I started talking with this woman, she was an older woman, turns out she's 97, and she's planning to plant a straw bale garden this year. So it definitely makes this makes gardening accessible to people, even as they get much later in life, when normal gardening wouldn't really be an option for them anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. I love to hear stories about about people later in life taking on a new challenge like that. That's awesome. And you give them a method that way. I think that's great. Uh, now, here's the question that was kind of coming after the, the last two questions. It's kind of been percolating in my mind because obviously straw bales decompose over time because that's what they just naturally will do. It's, a, it's an organic object. What do you do with it when it's decomposed down to not a bale anymore? Well, I'll tell you, the outside edges of the bale, even though the, the interior of the bale is going to be well decomposed, it, it, it very much looks like soil or thoroughly composted compost at that point in the mm-hmm. season. Um, this might be at the end of your first year, or if you buy really big, heavy, well-compressed bales, you might get two seasons of growth out of that bale. But at the end of the second season, for sure, your bale is going to be done. And at that point, you can use what you've created, this beautiful compost, as potting mix. I use it in my pots to put flowers out on my patio. I use it in window boxes. Um, you can spread it among around your perennials as mulch, and it really helps hold the weeds down and, and holds in moisture and does great things for your perennials. You can till it into your traditional soil garden uh, to help improve the soil there. So there's lots of uses for this absolutely incredibly awesome compost that you've generated. But one thing you'll find really interesting in the new book that, that we've just come out with, we talk about a process, if you're a bit of a do-it-yourselfer, which I know lots of your listeners are going to be, mm-hmm. you can use what's left over of last year's bales to make new bales. And we show you how to do this in the book. It's, it really involves making your own baler. And I know this sounds really complicated. It really isn't. It takes three two-by-sixes and a couple of screws and a piece of three-quarter-inch dowel and you can make your own baler. Now, what you need in order to make bales is you need a, a lever system that's going to create pressure on that organic material and then the ability to tie that those strings up and make a new bale. So essentially, we start with a big Rubbermaid bin. We fill it with last year's straw bales. We put some strings in the bottom first. Then we fill it with last year's straw bales. Then we add things like leaves and grass clippings and vegetable peelings from in the house and you know, any decomposables that you might have laying around, we fill up this bin, we tie the strings around what we've now squished down using this giant lever, we squish it down real tight, we tie the strings up, we dump it out, and now we garden in that bale that we've created ourselves. And it costs us nothing. Oh, that's we just use all of our compostables from around the yard. That's awesome. 
<laughs> yeah, now you've got everybody that's listening wants to wants to get the book, see the instructions because you are you hit it on the head. Everyone listening to this show is a big do it yourself or make it sustainable. Uh, you know, it's one thing to buy the straw bales and get started, but if now you gave a, a process by which it can be perpetuated longer and then do it yourself, I think that's awesome. That is so cool. Yeah. Straw bale gardening without straw is what we call it. <laughs> You know, you might have a little bit of straw mixed in there, but, you know, the, the bales that you produce yourself, Donna, they're even better. They're even more productive than the starting with just a straw bale. And part of the reason is that mixture of decomp- decomposing organic material. You know, you get phosphorus from leaves, you get nitrogen from grass clippings, you get all this mixture of highly nutritious organic material versus just having the straw, which has a certain nutrient profile, but it may not be as broad as the nutrient profile in a mixture type of bale. Mm-hmm. So it's basically homemade bale gardening. I mean, really, exactly. in, in the same straw bale fashion. Well, I, I hate that we actually are coming to a close, but I want to hit on um, the benefits. Uh, what are the other benefits of straw bale gardening? Obviously, you've got the height and, and the, yep. the heat and all that. Are there more? Well, the, the number one biggest one, which I mentioned briefly earlier, is the fact that there's no weeds. And this is because you don't have any topsoil. You know, we're never going to use a shovel full of soil from our garden, uh, our traditional soil, on top of these bales. When we make a seed bed on top of the bales to put our peas and beans and carrot seeds in there, we use sterile planting mix for that, something that we bought from the garden center so there's no disease or insect problems. And last year's garden soil, that may be where all your disease and insect problems are harboring over the winter in that soil. We don't have those problems in our soil because this is brand new soil that we're making inside the bales. So we avoid ever introducing any traditional soil from our garden, and you'll never have disease problems, so you won't have tomato blight. You won't have things like cabbage worms that harbor over. You'll you'll have uh, no weed seeds in this brand-new soil. You might have a couple sprouts from the oats or the wheat that might be left over in the bale, but that's a very quick process of plucking those out when they first emerge. The whole rest of the summer, you have no weeding. Um, the fact that the bales hold moisture really well, but yet you can't overwater them, that's a really big advantage. Um, the fact that we're going to have a raised height a little bit up off the ground means that our, our foliage is up in the air higher, which makes it m- more air circulation around that foliage, and that tends to inhibit insects in your mm-hmm. garden. It will also prevent disease. We're not going to water with overhead sprinklers anymore. We're going to use a, a soaker hose right down the length of that straw bale and only get the roots wet. So it makes it more efficient when it comes to watering. We don't lose water due to evaporation on the way to get to the plants, and we don't water the pathways in between where we walk. All we do is water right where the root mass is, and you'll see that conserves water considerably. Um, it, you know, the, the benefits go on. Another one is the heat generated out of these bales. You can plant much earlier in the spring, and it makes your garden more productive. I always tell people, if you can get your tomatoes in really early and it's nice and warm, that means they're going to grow roots earlier, which means they're going to blossom earlier, which means they're going to set fruit earlier, which means you're going to be the first one with ripe tomatoes, which means, of course, you've won. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody in the vegetable garden wants to be the first one with ripe tomatoes. And as a straw bale gardener, you're always the first one that has tomatoes ready to eat. Well, one huge benefit you mentioned that I that I heard was uh, you're not going to have blight. I have not grown a decent tomato since we've been in North Carolina the last three years. And we've had different areas that we've planted in, 
and I think that tomato blight has taken over all of our yard. No matter where I move to, it's it's just yeah, I it's can't your soil. Yeah. stand it. And so that alone makes me want to do because <laughs> I am I a, bound and determined to have good tomatoes this year. I have a, a couple of pictures in my in my first book from a gentleman. His last name is Dewitt, and he's from one of the Carolinas. I can't remember if it's north or south, but he emailed pictures to me, and I put one of them in the book, and he sent me a little note along with it, and he said, you know, people drive by my property 60 miles an hour on the highway, and they slam on the brakes and back up to see my tomatoes because I have the biggest, healthiest tomatoes they've ever seen. He said, I have such big, healthy tomatoes. I even had the local sheriff stop by because he wanted to make sure they were really tomatoes I was growing. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Blight in the Carolinas, and I do think it's actually both of us, so north and south, has been really bad the last few years, and I'm not sure if it's if it's just a like a epidemic spreading through the soil. So everyone in our area needs to give this a go if you want some decent tomatoes this year. I think definitely helps. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to doing that this year. So I know I'm inspired. I can't wait to go plant some tomatoes. I'm getting some this year. I'm bound and determined. And Joel's giving me a new <laughs> a new method to my madness to make sure that I make that happen this year. Uh, make sure that you also connect with Joel at his website. And I'm going to give that to you in case you're driving and you're listening instead of on the website itself here. That's going to be at www.strawbalegardensplural.com. Get on his newsletter. Find out when he's teaching a, a webinar. And then connect on Facebook because obviously he's got a very active Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Learn to grow a straw bale garden. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for being here today, Joel. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Don. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you and, and, of course, all your listeners as well. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Awesome. And we're glad to have you listening today. Please feel free to email us at yourpreparationstation at gmail.com. Go by and visit our website at yourpreparationstation.com. Check out some of our YouTube videos some of our blogs, some of the different things that we do that we hope will inspire you to be prepared and enjoy the journey. God bless. We'll talk again soon. This has been another episode of Your Preparation Station with Donna Miller. We would love to hear from you. Please connect with us at yourpreparationstation.com and on Facebook. Tune in again next time for another encouraging episode. Until then, keep growing and finding joy in the journey.